Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. It's Lent, which means it's a season of even more contemplation and reflection than usual. On today's episode, Andrew and I try to share some perspective on how to keep our sights on God and heaven when going through the stuff of life, joys, challenges, consolation, desolation. Hope you enjoy the episode and have a blessed Lenten season. So it has been a hot minute since we last recorded our last episode. I have to take full uh, full blame for that one. It's been super busy for me. It's been it's the busiest time of year uh, for me at work. And before anyone asks, I'm starting to grow uh, a pet peeve where as soon as I talk about me being busy at work in like during March and April, yeah. and because people know I'm an accountant, their first question is like, oh, are you busy because it's tax season? <laughs> and I need people to know, the five of you that listen, that I'm not a tax accountant. So the reason why I'm busy is not related to it being tax season. Okay. Okay. So I, I need everyone to know that. Please and thank you. Um, no, but yeah, it's been really busy at work. I don't remember if I said on the podcast actually, um, but I, yeah, so I actually got a second job, a part-time job, um, working at St. Paul's Basilica in downtown Toronto, um, doing their bookkeeping. If you're not familiar with what bookkeeping is, it has nothing to do with like a library or actual books. Um, it's kind of just, it's like accounting, but in the sense of, you know, just more so taking care of the numbers and financials, uh, less in-depth analysis and whatever. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that. I started that in mid-February, actually, um, and it's been good. It's been good. Um, I think the the idea behind it was I just kind of wanted to make use of my spare time a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the job posting on the Archdiocese website, um, it said part-time hours, seven to eight hours a week kind of thing. And I was like, that's pretty manageable. And even in my interviews with uh, the pastor, he was saying that like for someone, I guess with my expertise, he probably expects it to be four to five hours a week, mm-hmm. which I can see. Um, but I guess I, I didn't realize the substantial amount of upfront cleanup work that would be needed. Cause it's been a while since they had a bookkeeper. They right? didn't have a bookkeeper since I think it was October. Mm-hmm. And so more or less three to six months worth of cleanup um, mm-hmm. with some deadlines that are now uh, late. So anyway, so that's why I've been super busy. Um, but it's been good, you know, in the sense of I, I do like that I'm using, I'm finally being, or I'm finally able to use my financial sure. expertise gifts that God gave me in yeah. the service of the church, which is something I've wanted to do for a long time, to be honest, because mm. like, obviously this is a podcast. That's nice. Um, other ministries I've been involved in, but you know, nothing really strictly related to things like finance and accounting right right um so i i wanted this for a while and it's much better than spending my free time like playing games and <laughs> and whatnot so it, it has caught up to me a little bit with yeah. how busy both jobs have been mm-hmm. um and even you you're like hey man we don't talk anymore i'm like my bad <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so but uh you know hopefully i think i still have another month to go but you know once april is done is done with not because of tax season <laughs> um, things will be back to normal, I think, and I'll be I'll be enjoying life again and what they call a healthy work life balance. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it's um, I mean, I think that's so nice that you're able to bring the two worlds together, though, right? Yeah. Because it's um, it's something not everyone gets to have. I I know it's something that I've thought about too in terms right. of like the work that I do. It's um, you know, there's different impacts that will happen in people's lives in general, but not necessarily in the same way where it's like directly related to the faith, and that's something that uh, I'm hoping for at some point too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. 
Um, your update. So you went to Vancouver. For I did a week yes. or two, two uh, weeks, four weeks, four weeks. That was yes. close. <laughs> this is how much we don't talk. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, I was in Vancouver for all of February. Um, that was really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a good trip. We we went because flights were cheap and also because I love my parents. Um, <laughs> two very good reasons. Yeah, <laughs> it was two fifty for a round trip. Nice. For those of you who don't fly to Vancouver often, that's like a quarter of the price. Like it's it's like a way cheaper than it normally is to fly to Vancouver. So that that was really. I nice. love that you listed it as uh, because the flights were cheap and then because you love your parents. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but yeah, it was really great. Um, it was warm there. It's not like. In, it's snowing in Toronto while we're recording right now. Which it's is, end of March and it's snowing. It's <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really nice trip. Um, though uh, it's nice to be back home. Nice to be working in the same time zone that you live in. True. Because uh, I just all my experiences with that have so far have been that you just end up living in two time zones and just always being tired. You're up at like what six a.m. Up at six a.m. and yeah. then you still sleep at like normal Vancouver hours because you want to spend time with family and then yeah, it just that sucks. It just gets long. It sucks. Um, okay, so I mean, let, let's get into it here. Um, yeah. We are in the middle of Lent, um, yeah. and so we, we kind of wanted to do somewhat of a Lent-centered focus, sorry, Lent-centered podcast. Um, again, since I've been so busy, Andrew did like 100% of the prep here, so thank you for doing that. Um, but I think the, the couple things that we wanted to hit on today, um, you know, we've talked about this before in terms of our, our spiritual relationship with God. Um, but constellation and desolation, we kind of want to bring that up again, yeah. um, just because this is very much a season where those things might become very relevant. I mean, obviously during ordinary time, during your regular course of life, you're going to go through things like constellation and desolation. Yeah. But I think, um, during this period, especially of reflection, uh, which is Lent, um, that's something we want to dive into a little bit more. Um, and then maybe just kind of talking about it in a more Lenten context. You yeah. Want to on that anyway? Yeah. So I think it's, 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 um, Kind of reminding us like why Lent is so important. You know, we know that we hit the season every year. We know that there are things that we do. Like, in essence, like why? Why does the church get us to go into this penitential season every year, this reflection season, whatever you want to call it? Uh, what's the importance of it? What's it? Why is it significant enough that it's the longest non-ordinary time season of the year for us? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you know when we talk about constellation desolation, one hundred percent, that's something that happens all the time, right? This is something that happens all throughout life. Um, but Lent gives us a particular way to kind of reflect on that, to look at that. So I think that's what we want to take a look at today. So let's start with our basic definition of what constellation and definition are, just because, you know, in case we have any listeners who aren't familiar with that. Constellation and desolation. Uh, so so it's um, in short terms, it's it's whether you're moving towards God or away from or away from God uh, is the simplest way to talk about it. Um, you know, one thing that I think sometimes we lose sight of is that whether or not we're moving towards God is actually very linear. You are or you aren't. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's, there's nowhere else you can go. There's no going sideways, meandering. Like you're either going towards God or you're not going towards God. Um, and this is different from spiritual highs and spiritual lows. So that's an important piece as well. So um, from Loyola Press, when I went in to, to, to just find a quick definition, it talks about um, it actually asks the question: What do we mean when we talk about consolation and desolation? We're really only talking about our orientation at the bottom line. Which direction is our life taking us toward God or away from God? Mm-hmm. Um, and there are particular ways that you can understand this and learn about it and, and recognize it, but there's some symptoms that you can find, right? So desolation typically is when you turn inwards towards yourself, you're looking at yourself, uh, you know, I am this way, you know, Jason's not good enough, Andrew's not good enough. You're looking inwardly at those kinds of things. It drives us to spiral, spiral deeper into our own negative feelings, like, oh my gosh, like, um, I'm so marred, God could never forgive me, those kinds of thoughts cuts us off from community you find mm-hmm. yourself like 
you know, I don't know if I want to go to hang out with my friends because like, do they realize how much of a sinner I am? Um, you know, I can't hang out with so-and-so they're so holy and I'm so whatever. Um, makes us want to give up on things that used to be important to us. Uh, you know, where let's say that you built a really great habit of daily mass or, you know, you pray to bookend your day, let's say in my example that I try to do that and you find in your desolation, you're like, Oh, like I'm tired. I don't really want to like those kinds of thoughts that come mm -hmm. up. Um, and, uh, and a couple other pieces as well, but really drains us of our energy. And at the end of the day, when you zoom out, you realize I'm not, I'm just not looking at God anymore. That's the, the simple part. I'm just not looking at God anymore. I'm looking at everything else other than God. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what desolation kind of is. Yeah, I can definitely say like, obviously you listed all these really good different symptoms. Um, but for me, cutting us off from our community is one of the biggest things where, um, the devil is trying to kind of get to you in this moment that yeah. you are you are further away from God, you're further away from God's grace, and he's saying, hey, you don't need, you know, that friend that you've been talking to to keep you accountable anymore. Yeah. You don't need to go out and, and kind of enjoy the company of fellow Catholics or, or whoever, people yeah. who are going through the same journey of sin and struggle. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something that is really key to kind of pay attention with because, pay attention to, because... Um, it's so easy to, I guess the one before that, before that, that you said, um, to spiral, uh, deeper into your own negative feelings. If you don't have people to lean on and to pull you out of that, it's just going to be a never ending cycle. So yeah, I, I like that you put that one there. No, hundred percent. And then on the flip side, what's consolation? Consolation is when we direct our focus outside and beyond ourselves. A lot of the time, this doesn't even happen because we want to do it. You know, in my experience, at least consolation often happens where, you know, I find myself doing particular things. And then realizing afterwards, like, oh, it wasn't really for me. It was for, like, uh, loving my wife, you know, and that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Um, it lifts our hearts so we can see the joys and the sorrows of other people, really build that empathy, uh, bonds us more closely to our community. So we find ourselves reaching out a little bit more, kind of building that that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, generates new inspiration and ideas. You find, you know, like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Like, oh, that's a beautiful way to approach, you know, uh, when you hear the Gospels and you there are new connections that come through, right? That kind of a thing. And really at the end of the day, it, it breathes life into us. Um, and this is where really the focus is really on God at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in lots of different ways that this is happening, but we turn away from ourselves. And when we look away from ourselves, then everything around ourselves was created by God. So that's where we find God. And that that's, I think, consolation and desolation in a nutshell in terms of what they are, orientation, and then uh, how you recognize it in the symptoms. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I think the last time we talked about consolation and desolation, we had the exact same conversation. But I do want to bring this up because even for me, sometimes I get a little bit confused or uncertain in terms oh. of identifying what's what. And how do you differentiate consolation and desolation from things like, you know, I guess emotionally, spiritual right. highs and spiritual lows? Um, the, the big thing is that it's a, it's a state of being rather than a feeling. So. Yeah. Uh, just not to be distracted by the feelings, I think, is, is, the, is the number one piece. Um, proper discernment um, is needed to know whether you're in consolation or desolation. And, dis and, and discernment is almost always looking uh, deeper. So in the Ignatian spirituality, when they talk about this, they talk about um, the good spirit and the bad spirit. And the good spirit tends to speak to the soul, mm -hmm. right? It's, uh, it's uh, an area of our heart that we don't typically look at. And then the, um, the bad spirit typically actually operates in the, in the body, right? Mm -hmm. In the more carnal things. Um, so, so a lot of times because of that, they can turn into distractions. This is a piece that I think um, takes a lot of time to develop in terms of that, um, being able to have that on your radar. 
Um, but I would say number one is just um, to take emotions somewhat out of the equation yeah. altogether is probably a good starting point. It's not that emotions are useless in this whole thing, but it's just that to the untrained eye, quote unquote, um, it can become a distraction more often than not. And really to look at the other areas, right? So things that come to mind for me are when you look back in your life, where were there decisions that were obviously good for your life? Mm-hmm. You know, things that you did that were obviously good. And what kind of surrounded that moment? You know, what what did that, in a sense, feel like? But more overarching, what was the scenario? Mm-hmm. And looking for those, uh, those kind of hints that God gives you. Because I think I mentioned this before, but God speaks to all of us in our own particular way. And I think to further debunk, quote-unquote, debunk this association. Um, With consolation, people might think like, oh, spiritual high or happiness kind of thing. But I think, you know, you can also be, quote-unquote, happy or happy when you're in a state of desolation. It's a a kind of false happiness. You feel like in the moment, it's like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted, things like freedom, you know, people who have left the church, like, oh, I'm so free and all that. But it's a false happiness, right? What's what's real in that specific example is that they've left the church, they've become further from God, and so they are in a desolate state, even though they are quote-unquote happy. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, uh, you can be in a state of consolation, but also be in a kind of negative, what you would call a negative emotion, whether you're upset or, or sorrowful or something, um, you can be, you can have that kind of emotion or feeling, even though you are actually super close to God, because, yeah. you know, so much of our faith is rooted in uh, suffering and, and mm-hmm. Jesus redeeming that suffering, which we talk about again on many of our episodes. Um, because that is the core of our faith, it's not surprising that you can be at your closest to God, even though you're going through something that in the moment feels really terrible. For sure. So, um, so I think just to kind of further hammer home that point of, you know, emotion shouldn't really be associated with uh, consolation and desolation. And the way I like to look at it, um, if it summarizes anything, is that um, you, if you anchor yourself looking towards God, looking at God, God is the anchor. And just directionally, if you're close, you're in a state of consolation. If you're far, you're in a state of desolation. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and it's also how easy is it for you to look at God? I think that's a really, for me, that's a litmus test, right? Mm-hmm. Is, um, am I looking forward to going to mass or mm-hmm. is going to mass kind of a, like kind of a, mm-hmm. a, a situation, right? Mm-hmm. In the latter, I'm probably in a bit of a state of desolation where, you know, even being in a state of sin, sometimes you still look forward to going to mass. Um, but when you're in a state of overall desolation, you just mm-hmm. point it elsewhere. It's like, that's when mass feels like a chore to me. Mm-hmm. And I think. This is a really good time for us to pivot to look look at why we're bringing up consolation desolation anyways is really uh, looking at in the spiritual life um, I find oftentimes there's a pendulum here yeah you swing in and out of consolation and desolation and also you swing in and out of how you react to the consolation and the desolation um, particularly when we actually are focused on whether we're in consolation or desolation um, where it can I think easily turn into a state where what I am drawn to is the feeling of the consolation mm. rather than the fact that consolation is drawing me closer to God. I don't know if this is anything, something you've experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite directly. What I would say is that I think in what you just shared, mm. the idea that you're drawn to the feeling of consolation is actually related to what we just talked about. Yeah. Don't get hooked on the feeling, not to use the phrase, um, but you know, get hooked on understanding that, you know, like just your your uh, closeness to God, yeah. Um, regardless of how you're feeling, should be something that you're just constantly striving for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think for me, so this is something that happens all the time. Is mm-hmm. is that I'll be in a in an upswing and everything is just great sunshine and roses, 
Um, and a lot of the times I'll actually associate that to the things that I did. Um, and, and there's a trickiness here, right? Where let's say, for example, two years ago, I started praying, um, the divine office or liturgy of the hours. We've talked about it a few times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. It was beautiful. It was really giving me lots of life. You went out and bought all the books. I bought everything. all the books and everything. I'm just so. using the app still. So. <laughs> um, and, and it was a really, really wonderful thing. Um, and then I hit a, a, a dry patch uh, and I started to move in a state of desolation. But um, I was like, all right, well, what I'll do to get out of this is I'll get back to my habit of praying the divine office. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because Praying the office is, in and of itself, a good thing. It's prayer. It's a liturgy. It's liturgy of the hours. You're praying with Jesus. Like that, like it's hard to argue that's a bad thing. But the issue was that I looked at that as a trigger for me to earn the consolation back. Like it, like it was a checklist item? Like a checklist item, exactly, exactly, right? So this was a, well, when I was in consolation, that was when I did this. So now that I'm in message, let me do this again so that right. God will give me back the consolation. Let me let me give God the hint that he needs to give me the And it's now turning into Andrew's deciding. Andrew's mm. in charge of like what doesn't doesn't happen. Rather than discerning, like, all right, like this is where I'm at. God, where do you want me to go next? Mm-hmm. It was really, all right, this is where I'm at. Well, last time I wasn't here, this is what it was. So let me now take the reins, right? So I think that's a really, really big piece here in terms of, you know, finding that balance of how do you know that you are moving into a state of consolation because you're following God's will versus you're recreating the feeling because it's your will. Constant discernment, right? I, I actually think we talked about this in our last one of our last two podcasts on the marriage thing. Um, just might as well just be our podcast title or something, but like constantly discerning what is the motivation behind um, whatever thought you have, whatever action that you have. I do want to say that like, to be honest, I actually think it's a, it's kind of the right thought to be like, Hey, I'm in a state of desolation. I'm going to rely on the structure that I've set up for myself to pray, um, pray the divine office. I'm going to rely on the structure to go to daily mass, even though I don't quote unquote feel like doing those things. Mm -hmm. So I think there is some, like there is a grain of truth there. But I think deeper, perhaps uh, more specific to your personal situation, you also realize that it was becoming a checklist item. And in that sense, in that sense, I can definitely see that, you know, maybe that's not what we're talking about. Exactly. And this is where it gets so nuanced, right? Is that um, when we start taking a look at this, when we brought up addition and spirituality a few times already, um, St. Ignatius lays out some rules for discernment in terms of navigating the situations. In particular, Rules five and six. So in rule number five, I'll just read it verbatim. It says, in time of desolation, never make a change, but be firm and constant in the resolutions and determination in which one was, oh my gosh, but to be (laughs) firm and constant in the resolution and determination in which one was the day preceding such desolation, um, or in the determination in which he was in preceding the consolation. Um, Because as in consolation, it is rather the good spirit who guides and counsels us so in desolation, it is the bad who counsels, um, with whose counsels we cannot take a course to decide rightly. All right. Commas are important. Commas are important. So <laughs> if I paraphrase this, basically what I'm saying is like, is basically what you're saying. What you just said is that um, right. the decisions that we made to go into consolation or the decision that we made when we were in consolation, oftentimes it's a good decision, right? Mm-hmm. So the decision to pray the divine office, decisions to go to daily mass, often those are good decisions. So staying true to that determination perseverance is a good thing um but the flip side is the new decisions that come forward 
those are the ones we want to be careful with because mm-hmm. when we're in desolation, that's when the evil one is able to really come in and influence in it with with more power, right? And I think that's really interesting because in this day and age, I feel like the culture has very much shifted to being very reactionary. Yeah. Um, and there are good things and bad things with that. Like just in a general sense, I feel like that's made us a more innovative type society Sure. and we've made more advancements and I guess think more progressively, um, whatever that means. But on the flip side, I think it's interesting because sometimes you make all these reactionary decisions, you just end up flip flopping back and forth and, um, you start basing those decisions on how you're feeling at a particular point in time. And for me, like, because I'm not someone who, um, is as emotional or whatever, or feels as much like my, my kind of go-to, um, mentality has always been like, let's give it some time, Mm -hmm. like settle down. Let's think about it. It doesn't mean that you can't push for change or push for innovation. Make sure you properly think through it first kind of thing. 100%. hundred um, percent. I, th- I think it's, uh, you know, it's flavor of the month kind of a deal. And right. that's, that's really not the way that we're going to be able to progress forwards. Uh, and a big reason I think of that, um, I, I, w- I think why that's important. Oh my gosh, I can't speak today. You're speaking like me. I don't, <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> um, is um, that the, the time that we're looking at is really different, right? So like the time that God looks at versus the time that we look at. Mm-hmm. For us, like right. every time we're in these situations, it's a microcosm of, of like, everything ever that's happening but then for god like it's it's this is a a drop in the bucket right there's a lot more to what's happening so god has given us a hint when we're going into the constellation in terms of what will help us and there is good there but we don't always know what the good is and i think that's the point here is that um you know you stay in the determinations but what it doesn't say in this is that um and this is kind of where rule number six comes in is that the decisions that we made aren't necessarily going to be the things that get us out of that desolation. Mm-hmm. It's just saying, look, you made a decision in consolation. You're, you, you made a decision that moved you into consolation. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Don't let go of that just because you're in desolation. But the flip side is, now let God take you out of desolation. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's the part. Right. So the rule number six says, although in desolation we ought not to change our first resolutions, it is very helpful intensely to change ourselves against the same desolation as by insisting on more prayer, meditation, and on much examination, and by giving ourselves more scope and some suitable way of doing penance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is us now saying, all right, we made a decision. It's good to keep those decisions, but also we need to open ourselves to the things that we know are from God, mm-hmm. like meditation, uh, good examines, prayer, penance, right? Mm-hmm. So these are things that might sound familiar. This is kind of what Lent is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's dive into that, right? Like, because... Um, I think even before we kind of bring the whole Lenten thing into our discussion of desolation and consolation, I can speak just as from a reflection standpoint, like my Lent, what I've been trying to do is spend a bit more time in prayer. So I don't normally pray the divine office, but mm-hmm. I've been doing uh, morning prayer and night prayer uh, mm-hmm. every day since, since Lent started. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it's been good for me to kind of get back into the habit of, because as part of Compline night prayer, um, you do a, a short examine essentially yeah. an examination of conscience. And so, um, it has been good for me to look back on my day and I can definitely say like, even last night, even in the last week, I'll, I'll pick out moments where I could have been, where I was like, Oh, I, I should have, uh, approached this differently or I should sure. have spoken to this person differently. Yeah. I shouldn't have been so dismissive or, uh, on the other, on the other hand, I'll be like, Hey, this was actually a really joyous moment in my yeah. day. Um, I'm God, I'm so grateful for, for this person or what happened. For sure. And I can say, you know, we're beating, we're beating a dead horse here, but like 
by doing that examine, it really helps me to internalize the things that I need to do to become closer to God. Yeah. Whereas if I didn't, otherwise, I would have just like read another article on Twitter and then and gone to sleep kind of thing. So. No, for sure. And it's that's exactly it to me, right? Is that in that pendulum swing, um, when you're in this moments of desolation, that's when it's the toughest to recognize the grace coming into your life, right? And those graces realistically are, are the way that we will reorient ourselves towards mm-hmm. God. Um, you know, if we are able to humble ourselves and recognize that, you know, we're not the ones that are going to pull us out of desolation, God is, mm-hmm. then that also means that we need to open ourselves up to let God do that for us, mm-hmm. right? So again, you know, um, it's maintaining the same things that you're determined about. So to your point, when I was looking at praying the office and going to daily mass, like those aren't necessarily bad things. I should persist in those. But realistically, when I look back at all those moments, it was always some new grace that God brought into my life that taught me how I can move on, such as learning that, all right, like um, the way I was able to pray, and I think I mentioned this in a a previous episode, um, the way I was able to pray the office and go to daily mass Mm -hmm. in my unmarried state was different from now. And you know what? Like, that's a good thing. Like, I have beauty that I can find in the office when I'm able to pray it. But that doesn't have to be something that is my entirety for my vocation as a married man. Mm -hmm. And so God brought that into my life in a particular way. But it was only because I stopped trying to say, all right, like, let me lay out the reason why I'm going to get it. Like, let me write an action plan for me to get out of desolation, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and really just started saying, like, all right, God, like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, show me what's going on. So with this change in season, with, with Lent, um, now that we're in the middle of it, mm. um, whenever we talk about changes in seasons, even like even in in terms of the weather or in terms of like, you know, entering Christmas season or whatever, it, it's an opportunity for us to kind of um, change the way of thinking and, yeah. and kind of do a refresher in some kind of thing. For Lent, how do you think we can use this season to kind of realign ourselves to God? I, I think it's a it's a good season to um, have a reminder of what, what are we pursuing anyways? Um, that, that's how I've been taking this Lent, right, is, mm-hmm. is really, you know, this is an annual time for me now to, to look back at what was the original goal. The original goal wasn't to get better praying X prayer. The original goal was to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so really the question turns into, like, what is in my way? What can I find that's, that's in my way that has become, whether it is, well, I've been so focused on praying the office that I've ignored my wife. Right. Like, all right, well, that's clearly something in the way. Um, and to kind of move into a place where through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, these are three ways that we can really kind of encircle that, 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 um, thought, right? So with fasting, fasting being, what is something when I look at myself that I can get rid of, which is a barrier between me and God, uh, and really it doesn't have to be a huge vice, it's really just what is there that I can do to kind of gain more control over the carnal side of my body, of mm-hmm. my spirit um, so that I can pay attention to the spiritual side. Prayer, what can I do actively to pursue God? And then almsgiving, what can I do in terms of charity with my community to make sure that I'm not isolated, right? We look at those definitions of consolation and desolation. Specifically, it said that desolation is moving away from community and consolation yeah. moving towards it. So yeah. how do I build that community around me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the final thing being, you know, just understanding that we need to have that desire for God, right? Yeah. So for me, I can, I can, I can speak about. Um, it is, it is a constant struggle for me to think about 
what it feels like um, to be yearning for God. I think mm. um, just because of what I said earlier, like I'm not someone who is constantly based on how on how my emotions run hot or cold, um, and so it, it it's it's always been a lifelong struggle for me to be like hey like god are you actually there yeah right like god i can't actually feel you there like i can feel andrew here on, on my right here um but i think if anything that's been a key part of my faith because yeah. it's sort of like because i don't have that um tangible amount of person mm. with right in front of me it necessitates that i have a stronger faith in god yeah and i mean that's the that's the good thing or that's the good side of it on the flip side sometimes it's like oh i'm like thomas the doubter kind of thing it's like <laughs> god are you even there kind of thing so well you know i think um this lend in particular one thing that i realized is how much fasting helps us with this particular piece mm-hmm. yeah in particular um you know one misconception or thing that's just not taught enough is that uh, when you fast you fast unless you're fasting from a sin um you fast for every day except sunday mm-hmm and what I realized is that if we can fast from a creature comfort, that's not a bad thing, not even a bad thing in our life necessarily, just a way for us to, like, again, assert dominance over our carnal side, really learn to control ourselves and have show that um, diligence and, and, and self-control. Um, then going back to that creature comfort on Sunday, like, now you look forward to Sundays. And right. really teaching uh, teaching our body to look forward to Sunday again. Mm. Look forward to the day that you are reunited with God. Mm. I thought that was really cool, right? It's like, because this is probably the first year when I've just picked a small thing to give up. Um, and I was just like, all right, like, here it is, God. Like, it's nothing crazy, but this is what I'm doing. And then, like, really, it's like every Sunday, I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh, this is great. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, the, <laughs> the day when I get to come back to God is great. Mm-hmm. Um and it's and it's been really really beautiful because it's it's a new way for me to look at Lent because now I can I can say thing. like all right next year when I come back to Lent it's like how am I going to do it this year how am I going to remind myself to look forward to the Lord's Day yeah. this year yeah uh, for those wondering that was not my dog barking we're actually at Andrew's place in case you can't tell and that was a dog barking in the hallway but um, yeah no I think the dog agrees with what you were saying right <laughs> um, it, it, it's that's, that's actually a very beautiful realization um for for me even to be like hey that's a new way of looking forward to sundays because um i actually wanted to take this a little bit off on a a tangent for a Mm -hmm. few minutes but like we talked so much about the office and something that i've been reflecting on as i've been going through praying just morning prayer and night prayer i haven't even been doing evening prayer or anything um or the readings but i was just thinking that like you know over the course of the last probably five to seven years there have been points in my life where I've done the op- uh, the office for like a few months at a time kind sure. of thing, picked it up, let it go. And I'm just wondering from like the point of, uh, the point of view of someone like you maybe who's kind of doing it every day or definitely someone like um, the religious, so priests and sisters who literally have to do it every single day mm-hmm. without fail. Like, does it ever, do you think it ever becomes a chore or do you think it ever becomes boring um, kind of thing? Because even now, just two weeks in, I'm just like, oh, I'm just reading words in the morning. Mm. I think 100% does. And to be clear, <laughs> I don't pray it every day right. anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I try my best. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely does. There are definitely days when, uh, even in religious that I've spoken to, it's just like, God, I'm tired. I'm not going to be able to do more than just read the words off the page. Mm-hmm. But this is it. And what's really beautiful is that it becomes a different type of prayer. It becomes a prayer of humility. Yeah. Right? It's just like, like God, like, in my pride, I know I think that I'm too tired to pray this properly. But, hey, what is proper anyways, mm-hmm. right? Um, so 100%, you know, that that's, that's, I think, something super normal, something that, that I experienced. Um, but then it, it 
it lends, um, I think, new lenses to it. So, in particular, the Psalms, which is what the office is uh, really wrapped around, yeah. right? Um, it, it's really beautiful because the the Psalms turn into less of a like I'm praying for a particular purpose. It's really just it's 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 um, a study in human emotion. It's really sure. what the Psalms are, mm-hmm. and so like letting yourselves see these new things as you go through it, or just um, yeah, doing it for the sake of doing it. Like, that's a beautiful prayer, too. So I think it's super normal. I spoke earlier about, like, you know, just if you're in a state of desolation, kind of relying on the structure of it. Mm. And that's a very practical way of looking at it. But I think another way of looking at it, which you basically just touched on anyway, is also just um, you're still choosing to spend the next 10 minutes in prayer with God. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're not, maybe they are just words that you're reading, but you are still dedicating that time to um, whether it's praise God through Psalms or, or kind of feel, you know, the human nature through Psalms mm-hmm. um, and, and just, just spend time with God. That's still a choice that you're making. So. I also think like um, it depends on your state, right? So um, whether you're a religious or a lay person, the office means very different things. Mm-hmm. I think praying the office as a lay person is a beautiful choice that is very much a uh, an extra way that you're orienting yourself towards God throughout your day, however many of the prayers you pray. Um, that that you are opting into versus um, as a religious it's a commitment that you've made to your vocation right right? in the same way that I've made a commitment in my vocation so there will be days as a married person where you know you come home and it's just like interacting with your loved one it just feels like a chore right in the same way that praying the office would feel like a chore and it's like that's super, super normal. But that's the thing you got to get through because this is the vocation. This is it. There's more to the tradition than what you're seeing in the moment. Kind of going back to that microcosm comment. Right. God's looking at the entirety of the vocation. And this is something important for you. Um, so I think it depends on who you are and what you're doing with it too. So as lay people, I think we don't need to feel that same pressure of like, it's right. not a sin for us to not pray evening prayer. Yeah. You know, it is for Father Raph, who's yeah. been on the show, you know. Yeah. Um, so so the, there's there's different gravity depending on that as well. All I heard in what you just said was that talking to Cherry is a chore. <laughs> she's in the next room, so she might be able to, she probably hears this, but you might hear from her after. Um, all right, so let's let's bring this back and, and wrap it up here. So uh, just in terms of starting now, right? Yeah. What, what are some ideas that you have? Yeah, I think um, if, if anyone's listening and let's say you've gone through Lent and you haven't gone through all three of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, the first thing is um, asking whether or not you look, you know what you're looking forward to in the Christian thing. So um, that thing that we talked about at the end there, yearning for God. Do you are you yearning for God? Mm-hmm. And if you are, then great. You know, continue following that, and that will guide you to what you ought to do in terms of these three. If you don't, bring that to prayer. Yeah. I know coming into this Lent, I wasn't sure what to do. I really was like, God, like I feel like this is kind of the space that you need me to reflect in, but like. I don't know what I like what fasting leads me to bring my interior and exterior together. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I don't know. And then what my director taught, taught me was well like that's what you bring to prayer. Then it's just like God like I can feel like it's just a space but I don't know what it is. Yeah. So bring that to prayer. The second thing is um is there an area that you know you ought to fast or abstain from that you're just like I just dread doing that every time it comes to mind I was like yeah I probably should but oh that's going to be so tough do it <laughs> it's basically it's tough but it's also low-hanging fruit exactly right if it's so obvious if it's like if like as i'm saying that something comes to mind like <laughs> there's a reason why you yeah. know um so just just do it yeah. and you'll you'll find grace and then the third thing is um a lot of the times when we look at this i think we think of vice we look for what is this major sin that i need to cut out whether it's pornography whether it's xyz mm-hmm. um if that isn't obvious then 
flip it around. Um, look for where God speaks to you the most in your life. Look for, you know, what are the moments, whether it's in friendships, whether it's in art, in music, whatever, where God speaks to you the most in your life. And then start exploring, is that permeating the rest of my life? If not, what's in the way of that happening? Mm-hmm. And then that might bring you to a good spot. Mm-hmm. All good things, I think. And I can definitely speak to, or even expand on what I was saying earlier about how um, feeling the presence of God has always been a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole idea of yearning, I, I have been bringing that to prayer, um, especially in the last few years as I've become even more and more aware of this, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like, God, I need to I need to feel you. I need to like, um, you know, make yourself present to me and whatever way it is, whether it's big or small, mm-hmm. make yourself present to me. And so really, yeah, all of these things, is just bringing all of them to prayer, um, working through it with God, right? This is not intended to be a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship, two-way conversation, and God will make it uh, prevalent to you what it is that he wants you to work on or to do for him so that ultimately you can just be closer together. Yeah, and and listen, like hold God accountable. You know, there there's, I think I've said it before, probably last year, um, that you can be very direct in your prayer. It's like, God, like, look, like, I get it. I know that I need to be here and I'm here. I'm trying to do my part of the part, my right. part of the bargain. Come to the table. Like, show me how you're coming to the table. You know, you can be very direct like that. That's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's something that's taboo in our parent generation in a lot of ways, but it's really an okay way to pray. Um, it's like, God, like, listen, like, help me like in a week. Within a week, just show me something. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say things like that. It might not necessarily be um, what you're looking for, but vocalizing things that way too that are in your heart can also help us. So just, you know, if that's what's there, just say it. Many of the saints wrestled with God. Mm-hmm. Many of the, and that's how they got to sainthood. Yeah, right? exactly. so, um, so I think that's where we'll leave it for now. Mm-hmm. We're, so we're halfway through the, Lent, uh, through the Lenten season. Um, hopefully everyone is, is doing okay. Um, you know, there's another half to go kind of thing as we look forward to Easter and to the resurrection of our Lord. Um, if you haven't started in terms of Lent, it, it's not too late. There's no, there's no too late or anything. You know, it's the whole forty days or whatever. But hey, if there's twenty days left, or there's ten days left, and you feel like, hey, if there's something I want to start doing mm-hmm. um, by listening to Andrew and Jason's podcast or <laughs> something else, whatever it is, you know, ultimately it's the Lord uh, planting a seed in your heart. And so just, just kind of, um, you know, water that seed and, and and make that thing happen. Make it your Lent. Make it um, your Lent to become closer to Christ in whatever way it is. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we'll leave it there. Um, let's continue to pray for what's going on in Ukraine, mm-hmm. um, that the Lord will have uh, mercy on, on even those um, you know participating from the Russian side, um, but also for uh, everyone who is affected in Ukraine, and whether they're there physically or they have family, all of those people. Um, and so we'll leave it there. Um, hope everyone is doing well, and <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. Stay safe, everyone.